This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wa al-mursaleen. Nabiyina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه والتابعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد. We always praise Allah subhanahu wa taala, send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. More so on this beautiful day of Jum'ah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to bless his entire household as well as all his companions and to bless every single one of us, our offspring, the ummah at large. May Allah subhanahu wa taala bless humanity at large and guide us all to the straight path. Amin. My brothers and sisters, we have a beautiful hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam connected to the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and various words which were specifically taught to a certain sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by the name of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma when he was much younger. So ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma says that I was once behind Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he told me something with lots of affection, with lots of love. This is a young boy being spoken to by the best of creation. He says, Ya Ghulam, oh young boy. And that's a beautiful way of addressing. Obviously, you need to have a very close relationship with someone to be able to call them Ya Ghulam. You know, someone who is younger, much younger than you, a little youngster who's growing up, perhaps not yet in his teens. Allah knows best exactly what his age was. But this shows the affection. And we learn from this that when we address those who are younger than us, address them with much affection, it has a very big impact. The point being driven home is, look at what the affection was, such that this man remembered the words later on in his life. And obviously, the amount of love and respect that he had for Rasulullah was also unmatched. So basically, he says, Ya Ghulam, inni u'allimuka kalimati. I am going to teach you some words. I'm going to give you a little bit of advice. Something I'd like you to remember. And the first thing he says, now this is going to be something extremely important. He says, Ihfadillaha yahfadka. Protect. The literal translation is, protect Allah and He will protect you. So what is the meaning of protect Allah? It means fulfill your duties and obligations unto Allah and you will find Him come to you, you will find His help with you, you will find Him with you, subhanAllah. Your closeness to Allah will reach a new level depending on how much you are ready to fulfill the instructions of Allah and to abstain from the prohibitions that Allah has set. So we ask Allah to make it easy for us. We always want Allah's help. How do you get it? Simple. In And this is why in the Quran, Allah says, In If you are going to assist the cause of Allah, you know, we, we cannot help Allah. So the literal translation, although it would mean that help Allah and you will achieve help, but in actual fact it means Fulfill the obligations unto Allah, follow the laws that Allah has set down, get closer to Allah through your dedication and effort, and you will find Allah helping you, assisting you, coming close to you, and strengthening you over and above that. 
This is amazing. So this is the same thing that is in the hadith. Look after your obligations unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He will protect you. He will look after whatever you would like or whatever He knows is better for you. And why I've added this, whatever He knows is better for you. Sometimes we want something that is dangerous for us. We look at a lucrative business deal and you know what for us, this seems like something unmissable. Wow, so great. And Allah creates an obstacle because He knows down the line there's a big loss for you in this. It's best you stay away from it. And then later on you may or may not see how those who did get involved suffered the loss. And then you say, Ya Allah, I thank you for protecting me from it. Yet you wanted it so desperately. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. So this is the term, Ihfadillah yahfadka. And he continues to say, Protect the laws of Allah and fulfill the obligations unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you will find him in front of you. You will find his help with you. You will find the assistance with you. It is similar in meaning to the first sentence or the first phrase. Amazing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is definitely the one who comes to us faster and quicker then we come to him. If we show dedication to Allah worth a hand span, he comes to us worth a whole foot or as quick as that. If we walk towards Allah, he rushes towards us. This is in another narration of Rasulullah also explanatory of these beautiful words. Then he says, Before I actually translate that, let me tell you, Sometimes we are dedicated towards Allah. We try. We are reading our salah. We've improved on our dress code. We are quitting haram. We've quit it. We ask Allah's forgiveness. We have really streamlined ourselves in a very big way. But sometimes we still have a few strugglings going on in our lives. That's the mercy of Allah. That's the gift of Allah. But we don't realize it. We, we have to keep on calling out to Allah. Because calling out to Allah is a huge act of worship. So loved by Allah that sometimes He keeps us in a certain condition just so that we can keep on calling out to Him and reading the extra salah and engaging in the extra voluntary prayers which was brilliant. The minute we are sorted out so to speak, we tend sometimes out of human nature to forget that we were calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So because a person might feel in his heart that look I've been trying hard to please Allah but look at me I'm struggling. Then the Prophet says you will need the help of Allah. You will need to ask. But when you ask, only ask from Allah. You want to ask, ask of Allah. So before you turn to human beings, obviously when Allah has given the capacity to a human being to assist you in a specific way, say for example you need to borrow some money or you need them to do something for you, the first thing you do, you ask Allah to open your doors, you ask Allah to help you, you ask Allah to grant you barakah, you ask Allah to make easy whatever you are about to do and so on, to guide you in that specific way, then you may go to a specific person and say, you know what, I need to borrow from you $10 if possible and so on. The response they give you will obviously be within what Allah has decreed and declared. Some people will give it to you, some people will not give it to you, whatever it is. But bottom line, when you seek, remember the first door is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you seek items that only Allah owns and He has not given the capacity to someone else, remember that is only allowed to be sought from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You want forgiveness? If you have committed a sin which is solely between you and Allah, say a man who drank alcohol, may Allah save us all and our offspring and forgive us for our shortcomings. 
a man who drank alcohol. It's not good enough for him to go to a priest or a sheikh and say, you know what, forgive me, I drank alcohol. No, you want, you go to Allah directly. It's a sin between you and Allah. No third party is involved. You're not allowed to add in a third party. And if you have wronged a fellow human being, then you have to go to that human being. Say for example, you have slandered someone, spread rumor about someone and so on. You have to go to them and you have to say, you know, I'm sorry. This is what I've done. Please can you forgive me? They may say yes, they may say no, that's a topic on its own. But you have to go to the third party. These are known as the rights of fellow Muslims and fellow human beings. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. So much so that even if you have wronged a non-Muslim, you need to go to them and apologize. Allah Did you know that? If you have wronged, say you usurp the wealth of a non-Muslim, you can't say, well anyway, he's a non-Muslim. No, he is a fellow human being. You usurped his rights. You need to go to him and apologize and say, look, I'm sorry, this is what I did. And you know, I seek your forgiveness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. And he continues to say, when you seek help, seek the help of Allah. What's the difference between the two? One is, when you are asking, ask Allah. When it gets a bit more serious, you now need to seek help. The isti'ana is different from su'al. Su'al is to ask a question, to ask something, to ask. And isti'ana to seek the assistance. Now I've got a problem. I need help. I need some desperate help. So when you are in desperation, turn to Allah. Never turn to that which will anger Allah. Never turn to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited. And at this juncture, it's important for us to make mention of the Islamic ruling regarding al isti'ana. We seek only from Allah. You alone we worship, O Allah. You alone we seek help from. You alone. And this would mean that any time we want to seek help, it's from Allah and it's according to the laws of Allah. That's what we need to remember. So, if someone has sought help from another person for something, for as long as it is not done outside what will please Allah, it is fine. So, if for example, I have a problem, a huge issue, I read my salah, I ask from Allah, I make dua to Allah and so on, then fair enough, I may, Allah has allowed me to go to someone who might have, who, who might have the ability to assist me by the example we've been giving is by giving me a little bit of money. For example, a rich man or someone, you say, you know, I just need a little bit of help for a month and I'll pay you back after that. That is not negating having asked Allah alone. You ask Allah and you are doing something that He's allowed you to do. He's permitted you to do. Like for example, I want to ask Allah, in the process I read two rakats of salah or I, I, I cry and I make dua. That is all within what will please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the minute I start going into that which is prohibited, that is when I have failed my test. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us ease. So if a person then decides to do something clandestine, or for example say to tiptoe uh, on one foot all the way down the driveway in order to get the help of Allah, all that is actually mischievous or should I say superstitious which is unacceptable in Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and may He open our doors. Then the hadith continues. Powerful, powerful hadith. And this is something that always brings comfort to the heart. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, You need to know. What, should you, what do you need to know? 
أن الأمة لو اجتمعت على أن ينفعوك بشيء لم ينفعوك إلا بما قد كتبه الله لك You need to know that if the entire nation gathers together in order to try and help you they will never be able to help or assist in any way unless Allah has written it for you Subhanallah I have a problem the whole ummah has come to my assistance if Allah has said that the assistance is not written for you you can turn blue in the face it is not coming this goes back to the issue of calling out to Allah alone you call out to Allah say ya Allah ya Allah I have a major crisis it is only you who can help me it is only you who can open my doors the entire ummah is here to assist ya Allah make it easy for them it is only through your power your allowance your your qudra which is the power that is manifest through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is able to actually assist in any way so it should make you stronger in faith when people come to your assistance and sometimes they can't do anything about it you know people have a sickness people have illness people have issues no matter what it is remember you can do what you want in fact it is your duty to seek medication like we say you ask Allah's help through what Allah has made permissible for you one of the instructions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that you do what is in your capacity within what is permissible to help yourself and so to seek medication would be your duty but whether or not you are going to be cured is in the hands of Allah you can bring the top physicians of the world if they will only be able to assist if Allah has written assistance for you if not come what may no matter what you can bring whoever but it will not happen may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us all so to strengthen our belief Allah is telling us that look everyone they will only be able to do some goodness to you if Allah has written it for you and on the other hand the Prophet ﷺ continues and he says powerful he says and you need to know you need to believe you need to have conviction in the fact that if the entire nation gathers together to harm you, they will never ever be able to harm you in any way unless Allah has written it against you. Because you need to know the pens have been lifted and the pages are dry. That's a powerful statement. The pens have been lifted, the pages are dry. Which means what is going to come to you is going to come to you. It is going to come. So the test is whether you are going to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or to someone besides Allah in a way that displeases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors, grant us ease. When difficulty comes in our direction, we become despondent. Yet we need to know Allah chose it for us in order to strengthen us and our conviction and iman. A person who is ill, terminally ill at a young age and his health is going downwards. It is a gift of Allah for that person. He can seek medication and Allah may cure him or Allah may not cure him. And Allah may cause his death at a young age. For Allah, that was the best thing that could have happened to that individual. Because ultimately, do you know we always hear, they lived happily ever after. At the end of a story, he says, and they lived happily ever after. Since I was in kindergarten, I remember that. That this thing happened and that thing happened and the two went and when they want to end the story, they say, and they lived happily ever after. In Islam, 
there is only one time when you can say, and they lived happily ever after, when you step into paradise. There's no other time that you can ever say, they lived happily ever after. So whatever happens in this world, it's just a test. You know, you go to school, you pass one test, you fail another, you do better, you work harder, and then you get your final results. And then you, you come out into the real world. But the school life, sometimes people have got whacked. Later on, they become top surgeons and top whatever, whatever you have. And they become wealthy people. They're not going to sit back and say, you know, one day, that headmaster, they whack me, you know. If, in fact, if that man comes to your business, you might respect him and say, hey, this guy was responsible when I was young to take care a little bit of me. And you, you forget the issue that he whacked. And even if you remember it, you'll have a quick laugh about it. Because what counts is what happened at the end. The same applies to us. Your life, we could be turning corners now and again. We ask Allah to grant us the straight path. Because the day you die and Allah tells you that yours is paradise, then we can say, I've lived happily ever after. Allahu Akbar, may Allah grant that to us. So the books, or should I say the pages are dry, the pen is lifted. Let's take a look at the same hadith, but a different narration. This hadith was reported by in Sunan al-Tirmidhi. And if we take a careful look at it, there is another narration which says, Ya ghulam, tajidhu amamak. Oh young man, oh... Uh, oh youngster, oh little boy, protect Allah, meaning look after your duties unto Allah and you will find him right in front of you. You will find his help, his assistance and so many other things. You will find him in front of you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he says, <coughs> We can cry when we understand these words. He says, get close to Allah. Seek to know Allah during your days of ease. When you are in difficulty, Allah will get close to you. So when I'm in ease, I've got no health problem, I've got a bit of wealth. Let me go to the masjid, let me go early, let me relate to Allah, let me abstain from sin, subhanAllah. The day I have an issue, I'll be so content because Allah is with me and He will come to me. The minimum is the condition of your heart will be within total contentment. Subhanallah. Why? I've got a link with my maker. He's in charge. He's in total control. I know what's happening. If he's conscripted me into sickness, then I've surrendered to it. Allahu Akbar. And I know I'm at his mercy. If he cures me, he cures me. If he doesn't, he still loves me. Allahu Akbar. This is Allah. So this is why it's important to understand the term. Get to know Allah. Get close to Allah during your days of ease when nothing is wrong. Now, if we take a careful look at what we do, and honestly, perhaps all of us are guilty to a certain extent of it, we get closer to Allah when we've got a problem. But it's supposed to be the other way around. You're at ease. So now come to Allah, and then you find when something strikes, how you deal with it will be totally different from how you would have dealt with it had you not been closer to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. But still, as a gift of Allah, He makes us come closer to Him when we go through difficulty. Because we are human. So now let's listen to the rest of that narration, powerful one. تعرف إلى الله في الرخاء يعرفك في الشدة واعلم أن ما أصابك لم يكن ليخطئك وما أخطأك لم يكن ليصيبك You need to have total conviction that what got to you was never meant to miss you and what missed you was never ever meant to get to you. It was not yours. Something that missed you by a flick, whether you were talking of literally a bullet flying past your ear, it was not meant to touch you. It was never ever meant to come to you. 
So the man can fire straight at you, and if he's meant to miss you, he, you will just look at him still after he's finished all his rounds. Allahu Akbar. May Allah grant us protection. But at the same time, it's got to do with sustenance and everything else. If a dollar did not come to you, it was never meant to come to you. And if it came to you, it was not meant to miss you. Never. It was there for you. And there are so many examples of that, perhaps we may go into it sometime. But let's take a look at the last portion of this beautiful hadith. The Prophet says, and this is the climax of it all. You need to know, you need to be convinced that the help of Allah only comes with sabr. When you've made sabr, when you have had patience, when you have persevered, when there is continuity of a certain level and higher of closeness to Allah upon your difficulty, that is when the help of Allah shall come. That's what the hadith says. So Allah tests you, He puts you into a major matter, for example, and then you find for as long as you are persistent and you maintain the cons consistency in your sabr by the will of Allah, the help will come. When Allah has written for it to come, look at the prophets of Allah after 30 years, 40 years. The help of Allah came, sometimes after 4 years, sometimes immediately, and so on. So it's all up to Allah. Remember, وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ النَّصْرَ مَعَ الصَّبْرِ وَأَنَّ الْفَرَجَ مَعَ الْكَرْبِ and you need to know that the opening will only come after the greatest of difficulty. Al-Karb means a very severe issue, very severe problem. When there is a severe matter, when you have that link with Allah that was spoken about earlier in the same hadith, you need to know that it, things will open up. Let me give you an example. If I have a piece of twine and I've held both ends and I'm pulling them apart, when will the twine snap? At the point when I'm pulling the most, do you see, then it snaps. So the same happens that when you have a problem, when does the help come? Sometimes it comes when really Allah has tested you right to the peak of the test. And suddenly Allah says, you passed your test, let's go. Take a look at Ibrahim alayhi salam. He was seen to be sacrificing that son. Then the help of Allah came and says, you now passed your test, it's over, don't worry. You are convinced that we are in charge. You did what we told you, come what may, here it is. You passed and there we are. Allahu Akbar. So this is what we need to remember. Don't become despondent just because I had a problem two years, I'm still struggling. Don't worry. Allah, continue. Allah is there. And the last droplet of that hadith, the last little phrase, the Prophet says, You need to remember that with every difficulty there is ease. Allah creates ease. Every time there is a difficulty, go and seek help from those who have knowledge. Ask them, they will point at what ease has been created through that problem of yours. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors. May He make us realize and understand that the ultimate life that we all want to enjoy together as families and with the loved ones that we have is actually in the Akhirah. In this dunya, it is known as Darul Firaq. You will be separated from your loved ones, come what may. So prepare for that day. But you will be reunited with them in the Akhirah and in Paradise if only you bore the sabr here. So wait for that day too, but work for it until we meet again. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala